Well, I do like to do that, but we do oh. have something to do. We have an agenda. <laughs> yes. Go first. Uh, okay. Um, okay. I want to get rid of the need to floss. You know what I mean? Um, I floss mm-hmm. as regularly as I can. I'm far more regularly than any other time in my life. You know, I'm up I'm to like in no position to twice, judge. maybe three times a week. Wow. Which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, and, but I just, it's such a task that like, it, there must be a better way to like make a toothbrush that you just never would need to, I don't know. You yeah. know what do I mean? you have a, do you have a permanent retainer? No. Oh. Does that affect flossing? Oh, absolutely. Oh, really? It's a bar. I mean, cause like most people that have them, it's a bar that goes across your bottom row of teeth, which means you have to get like special floss that oh. can like weave under or around Wait, it. What do you like mean? Do I have, you've seen my, you would be able to tell. No, it's not in the front. It's in the back. And so oh. I haven't had you, <laughs> you drop your jaw and let me look over it. No, I haven't. Oh, okay. Like, can you see mine for me? Yes. <laughs> you can, yeah, you can see it's not it's super easy. And this is about our relationship this far. <laughs> right. That's the closest. Clearly we don't know each other. Well looked into yet. my mouth. That's the closest <laughs> you've looked into intimate. my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, no, I don't floss that much. Um, I'll, I'll own up to it. Wow, judgment. it's your thing. So, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I did see once there was this thing that was like it was like a little pipe cleaner, mm-hmm. and it would like rotate, and you could use it to like. Ooh, I love it. Oh, you have to make it, it makes a sound. I mean, I imagine it makes a sound of like a, an electronic like toothbrush. A pipe cleaner. Oh. Yeah, but then it's like whistling through your teeth. I imagine wow. it's probably squeaky. I imagine. <laughs> Can't picture this, but yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like a, like a little drill uh, that's a pipe cleaner. Uh, yeah, that you, you can't just picture can, it. The, it's, that you turn on. Like I mean, it's yeah, on. it's not just running. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know if you were the one making the motion of it or if you a button. In it. Anyways, we confuse each other. Yeah. It sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> it's a confusing day. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I just feel like there's. It's just. It's an annoying, simple task that mm-hmm. like everybody is like, I should floss more. Right. So like, if dentists slash the world knows that everyone thinks they should floss more, then there should just be a better solution. You know. Right. Yeah. And as as we uh, noticed in the in this very recording, it is not only something that uh, nobody does as much as they should. They also. Judge, judge people for not doing. <laughs> I mean, you should floss more, Steve. Wow, and uh, so should you. Let's get this weekly average up, Great. okay? Um, what do you want to do this week? I want to get rid of deceptive online retail. As we know, Ooh. as we know, I am uh, feverishly shopping for what has been referred to as a costume to your wedding. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> by you. By me uh, <laughs> earlier today. And yeah, because, I don't know, it, Y'all have framed it as like a casual, cool, yeah, hip come summer whatever wedding. Whatever makes you happy, right? It's also and summer, I, exactly. Yeah. And so the outfit. There's been as much talk as there has been of me wearing "quote unquote" just a vest by multiple people, Plus which pants. is insane. Yes, pants. Just no other shirt. I mean, right. I think it'd be cool. No, it would not. It would be no less a costume than the summer scarf that I'm currently looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in addition to the, like all these reviews for these online only companies that like, n- like Amazon is full of all these companies that are selling the exact same products with the weirdest names that are just collections of letters. And then in the reviews, it's always like, they always have like an average of 4.5 reviews, but 4.5 stars. And then in the reviews, it's always like, didn't match the picture. The size was super weird. The color didn't match the color that I ordered. All these like weird mm. things that I'm like, well, 
I don't want to have to deal with that because even though this is like fifteen dollars, mm-hmm. I don't want to spend like fifteen dollars on something I'm never going to use or that I don't like. Or they're going to have to like go through thirty dollars worth of hassle in trying to return. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I just like I'm like don't. Just have it be the thing. Just have it be the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to get rid of deceptive online retail. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. It's also confusing when it's like something that's not a scarf, but a shirt or a pant that has sizes. And like sometimes right. the sizing makes no sense. I was shopping for my wedding dress online mm-hmm. and the like size options were ridiculous. It was like this size is like your measurement here is that, your measurement here is that. And they were like didn't make sense together. And right. it just is like it's made to make you order something that will not fit, you know? Right. Or like they'll have, you know, comparison size charts and then every, they'll have like t-shirts with like centimeter dimension readings. And I'm like, this is, no, I don't have any idea what, what my centimeter, that, what my centimeter for my medium <laughs> yeah. t-shirt is. Like I have no freaking idea. Yeah. And yeah, it uh, unhelpful. Un- unhelpful. Helpful. Goodbye. Right. Especially if like you want something to be baggy or flowy, i.e., harem pants and summer scarves <laughs> you're like is this length the length of the pant plus the i'm gonna call it a plume oh i like it i yeah. don't know what yeah plumage the, the the puffiness the desired puffiness of one's <laughs> average harem pant i feel like i'm talking sense i feel like i'm talking sense yeah yeah, yeah. keep yeah. going keep but it's going. like is it that length or like is it is it that length with the puffiness sure. included or is, or it like is stretched out yeah am i gonna like tight. end up getting mm-hmm. the you know 32 inch pants that are then just like skin tight when I should have gotten like 46 inch pants so that I get the one. It's just tough. It's just tough. Well, I I can't wait to see what you end up wearing. All eyes will be on you, Steven. All eyes on me. It will not be about me. That's right. You (laughs) heard it here first. All right. Are we doing this? Let's do it. Oh my God. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to Should We Keep This? It's the Cultural Review Podcast, you know, in love that looks back over the past 50 years of film, music, television. (laughs) It challenges your nostalgia and gets it to question Should we? (laughs) Should we keep this? Should we keep this? All right. I'm Stephen Moskis. Today we're talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark. And chariots of fire. That's right. It's the year 1981. Ooh. What a year. What a year. What a year. Oh, man. You want to know what it's the year I of? Want, I, Gina, There's, I can barely remain in my seat I to find know, out I what this tell. year is. There are, so, there are actually a lot of things. There's a lot of uh, correlation? A lot of correlation. Ooh. Surprising correlation. Mm. But the thing that just jumps out the most bleh, is that this is the year of brief yet horrifying yellow face. Because really, it is. Mm. We can get into more later, I, but it's no. You don't need. I we know, will. I, I mean, we know. do need to. Yeah, yeah, but it's truly like the one that really jumps out at you as like, whoa, this was happening a lot right, right. now. Uh, is that? Is that? Mm. So, on that note. Yeah. What do you want to begin with? Do you want to begin with uh, the Gina Stevenson favorite film, Raiders no. of the Lost Ark? <sighs> Ooh, lo- oh, don't you? Lo- aren't you prepared to defend this one to the mm. death? Yeah, let's start with that one. That's the first Great. one I watched anyways. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay, Indiana Jones, first of the franchise. Very exciting. Um, it's set in the year 1936. Uh, oh, and I'm doing a thing to... <laughs> not doing... Are you doing it? Uh, nothing's uh, happening. What? Gina. <laughs> Just continue. (laughs) Yeah, fine. I can. Um, Okay, great. So 1936, um, we meet American archaeologist Indiana Jones, 
played by a dashing Harrison Ford. Uh, in action, we see like a first, uh, you know, he's like retrieving this golden idol from this booby-trapped temple in unspecified, quote-unquote, South America. Um, and then we also learn he's also not only this adventurer, but he's also kind of a dorky college professor. Um, and back at the college where he teaches, uh, these army intelligence dudes appear, and they explain or show that the Nazis are searching are doing some weird stuff and it turned Indiana Jones figures out that they are looking for the Ark of the Covenant from the Bible artifact. What? He's an archeologist. Um, and the army people know that, uh, or the, na- the Nazis know that Jones's mentor, this guy Ravenwood has his headpiece that will reveal where the Ark is buried. So Jones travels to Nepal to find Ravenwood. Uh, but he learns from his daughter, Marion that he's in fact died. Um, also, we find out there that Marion and Indiana Jones definitely had a thing when she was younger. Um, potentially, like, too young is what we understand from that conversation. Yep. Uh, uh, and so the Nazis then appear, arrive in Nepal also looking for the headpiece. Marion has it, though, and she goes off with Jones, like, I'm going to go with you on this quest. They go to Egypt. The Nazis are digging for the Ark of the Covenant, but they're in the wrong place. Marion gets captured by the Nazis and by Jones's rival, This also this archaeologist named Belloc. Uh, Jones finds the real hiding place of the Ark, digs it up only to have it taken away from him in the last moment by Belloc and the Nazis. And then he's trapped with a bunch of snakes and he's left behind and Jones has this intense action sequence where he eventually sneaks on board the Nazi submarine. Uh, He learns that they're planning to test the Ark on a remote island before presenting it to Hitler because they want to make sure it works first. Um, Jones ambushes them, but he can't bring himself to destroy it because he loves archaeology. Uh, and so then he and Marion are tied to a pole while Belloc opens the Ark and all the great power of God destroys them all except for our heroes who close their eyes in humility and then the Ark is put into some kind of safe government safekeeping and we mm-hmm. don't know what will happen to it next. Dot, dot, Ba-da-ba-da. dot. Exactly. Yep. Now, um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Mm. Interesting film. It had an $18 million budget, $384 million at the box office. It was nominated for eight Academy Awards and won five, which is kind of surprising because this film to me is not like the kind of movie that would win five Academy Awards, but they weren't like acting or directing, Mm -hmm. but it was nominated for uh, score, cinematography, director, picture. It won visual effects, sound editing, sound editing, and art direction. It was sound editing, sound editing, sound, comma, editing, comma, sound editing. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, so uh, Spielberg didn't want Harrison Ford for the role because he didn't want, uh, no, Lucas didn't want Ford for the role because he didn't want um, Harrison Ford to just become the guy in all of his films and like directly referenced like not wanting him to be the Robert De Niro to his Martin Scorsese and like like said that it was uh, a little bit some shade. Um, and then Spielberg didn't want to do the trilogy originally, but, uh, Lucas assured him that he already had all three films written, which, uh, was a lie that he only found out after he had signed on. Um, then it's well known that Harrison Ford was sick when they did the shot that has the, the guy with the scimitar, like twirling it around and then he shoots it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did not know that they, all got really sick that when they were in Tunisia filming all of those shots that everyone got sick. Um, Reese Davies, the John Reese Davies, the guy who um, plays the, the friend, he, he got so sick that he like 
uh, he uh, went. He relieved himself in in. in yes, uh, let's keep shot. that alive. I actually don't during like a, him. So yeah, during a take, he shit himself. Um, the reason I don't like him is he's a Brexit supporter. He um, also like rails against like Islam and talks about like there's something in Islam that's belligerent, offensive, and insidious. What? Yeah, I do not like him. Um, this is also Alfred Molina's first movie. Not his so breakthrough young. role, though, because oh. his breakthrough role didn't come for like four years. His filmography, there's like nothing between this movie and 1985. After 1985, it explodes. Yeah. Um, also, uh, it, this film is credited with uh, being the decline of the G-rated picture that like this film made it got people it's a family film but it's a little bit edgier and so they literally the family films of this time were starting to get g-rated films were getting the stigma as being like children's films so you had to like edge up to get that pg rating hmm. and then uh tote the german the german guy interesting a uh, fun fact that you know i have no no thoughts about um <laughs> is was originally supposed to be Roman Polanski, uh, right? The last two things that I'll say are that uh, the most commonly referenced things are the switching the golden monkey statue with mm-hmm. the bag, mm-hmm. running from a rolling boulder, and something that's kind of cool is you get some longer, more extended references, like a lot of references to shots of reveals of archaeological digs, and then also uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Elizabeth with Barbosa, she's like, it's very similar, almost shot for shot reference to uh, the scene between Marion and Belloc, all mm-hmm. the way down to like threatening him with like yeah, a knife. True. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well nice. done. Great. Shall we move Let's along? Move to the chariots, chariots of fire. As they say in chariots of fire. Yes. 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 Um, okay. Well, so this one takes place primarily in the uh, early 1920s in Britain, um, although it also has some time jumping. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the beginning of the movie, we meet a young man named Harold Abrahams, um, who is British, uh, entering the University of Cambridge. Um, he's also Jewish, and he experiences anti-Semitism, both at the university and in life. Um, but he is a great runner. Um, and meanwhile, we also meet this guy, Eric Liddell, who is Scottish, born to missionaries in China. Also, guess what he is? A great oh, runner. Oh, man. What's going to happen? What? I know. That um, age-old battle. <laughs> um, and so Liddell has his sister disapproves of his running uh, because it's like taking away time from him, his role as a missionary. And he also has very strong faith in God and his purpose as a missionary. But God also made me fast, as mm-hmm. he says. Um, Liddell and Abrahams both start sort of like getting more and more recognition as runners. They see each other as rivals. They both start, they get accepted for the, or well, they start training for the Olympics. There's a fight, a fight, a run where um, Abrahams loses to Liddell. Uh, they both end up going to the Olympics on the British, uh, team and basically like just, there's a lot of running, there's a lot of training. Liddell works to stay devout to his commitment to his faith while also like, you know, the commitments of running are kind of pulling him in those Mm -hmm. directions. Um, Abraham starts a relationship with this actress who's very, an actress. Mm. Um, and they both go to the Olympics. Uh, Liddell, oh no, I already said that. In the end, basically they, they don't actually get to compete against each other, but they do both win gold medals. 
Um, and it seems by the end that they've come to respect each other. And the film kind of jumps then to the future where it's um, Abraham's is, has died and mm-hmm. uh, Liddell is giving like a, a sort of, is it not Liddell who's doing that? Could, I think I it don't is. remember. It's, it's hard to tell, all, honestly, because it's hard to recognize them through the prosthetics. And I don't think they, could have done, they do like yeah. very like a very brief passing reference to who they are. Right. And then you learn about who they are through the course of the film. So and it's hard to tell end, once you go back. They don't actually like show them again. So it's right. really hard to tell. Yeah. But, but by the end, they've come to sort of respect each other. Mm-hmm. The end. Yeah. And uh, so, yes, this was the... 81 Best Picture winner. It was also one for Best Original Screenplay, Costume Design, and Score. It was nominated for, but did not win, Director, Film Editing, and Supporting Actor. Ian Holm was uh, nominated for Supporting Actor, which yeah. um, I, I got to say, his role, a little bit a little bit narrow for an Oscar win. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. Yeah, it's kind of like when... Uh, that guy who did the Mark Twain show was nominated for Into the Wild. What was that? What's that actor's name? I have no oh idea. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Um, we'll cut that out. No. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this was basically no one in this film, which is very bizarre to me, um, went on to do really anything. Um, the the producer also produced. Um, uh, Midnight Express, but like that was in the past. So he, his best film, like this was his top film for all the actors. It was their top film. Now, Ian Charlson, who I'll, I just want to spend the most time talking about, he was also in Gandhi, which is the 82 Oscar winner, mm-hmm. but he, he was mostly a huge stage star. He was like very successful in classical theater and there's now actually the Ian Charlson Awards, which go to actors in classical theater who are under the age of 30. Um, and he passed away at 40 from AIDS. He was the first UK show business death that was attributed to AIDS. And they, upon his death, they held a benefit for him. They donated the money to the Royal Free Hospital Um which now has its HIV center named for him. Um, and then also in, in 89, he did this film, this, not this film, this, he pr- did this production of Hamlet that was like so heavily lauded. Uh, Ian McKellen won this like best actor award in uh, won this best actor award in 89 and then was like having seen Hamlet I know that I'm not the best actor of 89 um oh. he was also brought in to replace um uh Daniel Day-Lewis who like had a sort of famed mental breakdown during the production of that Hamlet and had to leave yeah um and then yeah that was the the the, the big thing is this film is basically famous for Vangelis and his uh, his Chariots of Fire theme song. There's nothing oh, yeah. else that's da, like particular. I mean, that has survived. Yeah. But I knew I had zero experience of absolutely anything prior to this movie in any way. I recognized nothing. Um except for that song and like slow motion running being done to it. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so this and it now has a, a stage adaptation that was written by Mike Bartlett. It does. That, yeah. 
And do they so just run in place a whole lot? They do, but slowly. <laughs> slowly. Um, I also like that John Gilgood is in the film as one of the heads of Trinity College, and it ran at the Gilgood Theater on the West End. Crazy. All right, are you ready to decide what we should keep? Yes. Three. Uh, That was six. Six. Nine. Damn. You're fine. Man, I got to hand it to you one more time. Get low. Everything um, is which, fine. Okay, anyways. Uh, yeah. Ready? Prêt, <laughs> uh, as they say in Chariots of we Fire. We should get rid of both of them. Yeah. Okay. They, yeah, well, <laughs> I really... There. We were just doing... Wow, well, there was just and wind <laughs> taken out of, of my sails. Oh, <laughs> man. Um, well, we have to get rid of them both. Holy shit, we gotta get rid very of them both. very much... Yeah. 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 Uh, Sad. So we... Begin first with what's first, and do Indiana Jones. End with what's last. And end what's um, the end. Wait, so what's um, first? What do you mean? Uh, well, we started Sorry. with Indiana Jones. Oh, so sure. do you want to start with Indiana Jones? Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah, I can yeah. do that. Um, yeah, let's do that. Got it. Uh, to speak to what you had implied, uh, it, or, to speak to what the film implies, which is that Marion and Indy's relationship um, was inappropriate. Uh, yeah. Um, there is specific like reference you can find that in initial talks between like Spielberg and Lucas she was going to be 12 <gasps> yeah wait in the past when they had mm-hmm. had sex right but then they like upped oh. it so that she was 15 and that way it's like less clear in terms of like, was it okay? Gil- or no? Yeah, she's and like, woman. you know, she's the one that came on to him. Oh you know, my like, god, ooh, what? Saucy. Whose decision? This was yeah. Lucas as he was. This was like it? between Lucas and Spielberg. Yeah, Ugh. between these two old men in a room doing like, well, she yeah. was fifteen. Right. Was like, hey. Yeah. Very. Uh, very. Gross. Very one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they, they saw one flew over the cuckoo's nest, and they were like, "Oh, you remember? Nobody right. cared about right. the fact that yeah, she was fifteen. Okay. So right. clearly, fifteen is fine." That's the age. Yeah. It's such a bummer because Marion could be such a great character. Mm-hmm. Like her first scene is awesome, and then she's just totally becomes this like damsel in distress right. throughout. Because like in the first scene is where she's a she's wearing pants, and the rest of the scene she's in like a nightgown. Mm-hmm. Like guys. Ugh. Um, but she, you know, she's like winning a drinking competition. She, you know, she runs, she runs a, a bar, bar in Nepal, Nepal which is yeah. <laughs> the most random, illogical, implausible thing that has ever happened in the history like, of the world. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. But she just does. She does. Yeah. And it's like snowy well. out there. Yeah. She runs it well. It was packed the night yeah. that we saw it. Clearly, it's snowy out there. She was running the thing in short sleeves. Uh, short sleeves, maybe rolled up sleeves. Not even, not even some pants. Scared. Looking great, having a good time. Also, counting incredibly her money. sober after like oh, sixteen shots. Yeah, she's just yeah. yeah she was, she's just can handle her her whiskey mm-hmm. and herself. Mm-hmm. And then, but it's but even the end of that first scene, it's like you know, then Indiana Jones has to save her. But you're like, okay, right. yeah, because she's like you know, suddenly ambushed by all these Nazis. So right. you're like, all right, anyone would need help except as for you, As you are. Uh, as you yeah. often are in Nepal, in <laughs> <Yeah>. a bar. <laughs> <laughs> just ambushed by Nazis. Um, yeah. But yeah, but then the rest of the movie, she's just like, and she's like such a, she's so like, she's a firecracker, you right. know, and she's like smart and she's like energetic and she says things and, you know, and, um, she, but yeah, the rest of the movie, she's sort of like, a, she's kidnapped. She has to right. be rescued multiple times. 
It's like it no plays lip service to the idea of it's like they want to check the feminine, like the empowerment box, right. but then don't actually want to write an empowered character. Right, so right. they're like, okay, just uh, literally put her in a grass basket, put her in the back of a truck, blow the truck up. We got to get rid of her. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. No, yeah. it did not like that. At like the second they like set her up as this like powerful figure who's going to be his partner, and then the second scene in Act Two, she's taken out of commission. Right upon like literally uh, upon the passing words, uh, Sala is like you know he, Sala hears that Marion's dead, and he says to Harrison Ford, "I know." Life goes on. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. what the well, and fuck? And also when Harrison Ford, so when he thinks she's dead, she's been blown up in the back of a truck right. because of him, basically. Right. He just like sits there and like stoically sips his drink. Mm-hmm. And that's his whole reaction to thinking this woman is dead. And you're like, you are an asshole. Like if right. that's your response to someone. Like she was happy in Nepal and you Yeah, you, you messed this. this all up for her. And then, and this, the moment that happens in so many movies, which is so infuriating to me, where uh, like, so they, Sala helps them get out and he like puts them on this boat to go and catch up with the Nazis. Mm-hmm. And right before they're getting on the boat, they're saying goodbye. And she does the thing, which is so frustrating where she's like, this is for your children. She gives him a kiss on the cheek. This is for your wife or something. She gives right. him a, and then she's like, and this is for you. And she kisses him on the lips. Right. And then he's just like, yeah, you know, yeah. and you're like, why? Like what? Yeah. We just. That, it makes no sense. And you're saying, like, what a prize. Like, awesome. This lady kissed me, you know. Right. And why would she kiss him on the lips? That, like, no, people don't do that, you know. Well, because it's, and for you, a sexual favor. Like, sure, that's. Right. Here's what I owe you. Yeah. yeah. For all your help. Or like, yeah, even, even, if even if I don't owe it to you, I'm just giving it to you as a thanks. I'm still, right. like, objectifying my own sexual behavior mm-hmm. and giving it to you as a parting yeah, gift. Right. So it's yeah. all I have. Also, um, for him to play this like uh, Muslim friend of Indiana Jones, it makes me really pissed off that he yeah, is so bigoted against about, the Muslim world. Right. Yeah. Which I didn't know that part. Right. That's really upsetting. Fun. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, this movie is just rife with, you put it really great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were talking before, which was, you, I'll let you say it because it's a good uh, point. Yeah. How, oh God. Oh. Just, it was white people pretending to be brown people help, f- yeah. to help helping white people. Right. Well, right? I didn't, that was when I was going to help you do the year, but I, what well, but I it's really is this the movie. white people, uh, white people dressed as brown people helping white people steal from brown people, which is like, <laughs> this is yeah. what this movie is. Cause it's yeah. like, that's what, that's what he's doing. He's going mm-hmm. to Egypt right. to steal artifacts from well, Egypt. Everywhere he goes, that's right. what he's doing too. Even right. the and beginning in the, in the undisclosed, unnamed South American country, mm-hmm. even potentially in Nepal. I don't know, you know, just like, right. Yeah, and they but, even the, the, the guy at the, from the museum who visits him at his university says jokingly that like, oh, I, I'm, I'm sure it all aligns with the International Treaty for the Protection of Antiquities. Like, right. The museum will buy them, no questions asked. Yeah. And it's like, that's, ask, you, you should ask questions. Yeah. Yes, you are not a good museum, right. Right, and then he also says that, oh, the Ark is what we got into archaeology for in the first place, implying like that you want to go find and sell valuable artifacts from the past. Mm. Um, I also felt that like this... The, the film's view on like 
religion was very <laughs> strange <laughs> because like it's this religious artifact who who like that by the events of the movie is like validated for being this truly tr- the, the, an artifact of a true religion of mm-hmm, some kind mm-hmm. and yet he's at every moment as almost like to appeal to a 1980s identity is like yeah if you believe in that sort of thing right yeah this is the whole like his i feel like they were trying to give him a journey mm-hmm. around religion but it didn't work and also actually the next i don't think this happens in the temple of doom but in the well the temple of doom i learned through one. doing this research is a prequel technically oh Right? Weird? Yeah. Isn't it? Weird. But in the last crusade, it's like I feel like his his supposed emotional journey is the same as this one, but it's not actually like fulfilled, mm-hmm. which is the like I I am a practical man and then by the end I am humble to God and I believe right. that God exists. So I feel like they both tried to like give him that in two movies, which is like, well, if he's come to the realization in one, then like you can't really make him do it all over again. But also right. like in this one it didn't actually like he did seem to not he seemed to like yeah he just like believed right i don't even know he like always believed that the ark was like incredibly powerful and dangerous Mm -hmm. and yet which is how he knew like not to look at it right you know and but it regardless he doesn't actually believe that the thing that imbues Mm -hmm. power Mm -hmm. on the ark Mm -hmm. is real supposedly right Right. but i feel like the fact that at the end he did close his eyes means that he believes that it is real you know because that's like his his humble humility before god yeah i have a a whole list of things that i found super absurd about this film great um do you i would i want to hear them you want to hear them Mm -hmm. shall i go into them uh Mm -hmm. one is just dope that there's a german dude that's in the film by the name of wolf collar and if my name was Wolf Caller, that like that's fucking dope. But no, the point the the like first thing is first. Alfred Merlin pulls a poison dart out of the tree, licks the tip. Yep, stupid. <laughs> poison. He, he, poison. Yep. I'm like, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, you're dead. Yes. Also, uh, the staff. They're reading the thing that the staff should be six kadam, and the guy's like, oh, seventy two about seventy two inches. And I was like, oh, so a foot. <laughs> this ancient like this ancient unit of measurement is a foot. Okay, cool. Nice. <laughs> like that's, that's cool. Um, Maybe that's where the foot came from. Right. His also his uh, his pilot is dressed like a 1980s pilot. He yeah. was like in a Yankees hat with like a blue button down that was open, <laughs> and like he has. I was like, this guy l- looks like he's straight out of the 90s. This guy looks like if my dad were a pilot, <laughs> he would dress like this. My mm-hmm. like the Columbia shirt, like open. <laughs> yeah. Big time. Uh, there is a modern bottle of Jack Daniels on her bar in Nepal. Um, there's no regard to the Germans in the the Treaty of Versailles, which they're like obligated to keep their military forces under a certain amount. And if like they're getting this Ark of the Covenant, it's going to make their military all powerful. There's no re- reference to how that's in violation of an international treaty um, from from World War One. When Marion goes, you can't do this to me. I'm an American. I, I I feel like in 1930, that statement in like the European community wouldn't really hold much weight. I feel mm-hmm. like that's like a very post World War II thing to say. Um, yeah, and then Could, what? No, well, I what? know I, it's interesting because I feel like there's something just especially those last two things, but especially the one about the Treaty of Versailles, like that. These movies, I feel like. 
they are existing in, I mean, like, it's obviously an imagined world that is like our world, you mm-hmm. know, because of course, like these, you know, the whole discovery that everything that he does, but the, how there is a version of it almost where it's, you know, it's sort of like comic book world so that the Nazis as an evil force, you know, are recognizable as we know who the Nazis are. And so they are evil, but that they're doing things in this world that are maybe not quite meant to be like historically accurate, you know, or right. not meant to match up historically so that they're giving themselves the freedom to create a timeline that can be whatever they want it to be so that they can use that to, you know, mess with time and, and say that they are massing this army and that they're trying to find the arc, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I, the, if a treaty was referenced once that a tree, a treaty, treaty, treaty was referenced once, I feel like why wouldn't they reference this like major treaty that gives, that gives like consequence to the work that the Nazis are doing? Cause the Nazis, I mean, they rose between the wars and they fell after, you know, mm-hmm. 1945. So, like, they are confined to military growth being illegal mm-hmm. in Germany. Mm-hmm. Like, they are they bookended. That treaty is in effect. So, like, it, it, I'm not saying that it has to be, like, uh, like a, something that's, like, a pinnacle of the plot. But the fact that it's not referenced at all, mm-hmm. I'm like, what is happening right now? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then also, I just... I, I'm sure that like in 1981, it was like all fine. It was something that's very 1981 is the fact that like there are all these German and French people that are speaking English to one another. Um, and then this like, it feels very like pro Alex Jones to be like the Ark of the Covenant. That's just one of the artifacts that the U.S. has <laughs> right. under its Capitol building. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's just yeah. a drop Identical in the bucket. Yeah. Freemasons, baby, Illuminati. <laughs> Illuminati. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a such a fun moment though. Oh, so fun. It's so fun. So fun. So fun. Yeah. Um That's probably my favorite part of the movie now. It's funness? No, just no, that, just that, that moment. Yeah, yeah that it's moment. the least problematic of the whole yeah, film, right. actually. It's the least 30, yeah. 30 seconds, that's okay. It's a man with a job. I mean, why right. couldn't it have been a woman with that, a job? Thank you. There you go. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I was thinking about like why did this movie hold such I mean, obviously, because we watched it a lot as a kid and my parents loved it, but it, I, I might be, correct me if I'm wrong, but this feels like the first or one of the first sort of like funny action movies, you know, like it's, it's an action yeah. movie and advent, it's an action adventure, but it's also really funny in the main character, you know, like the action itself is funny. The note that I have is like that this, I think is the, the origin, like this seems to be the first that I've seen of like or at least Harrison Ford is, um, of the man clown, the guy mm-hmm. that's like the, like the legitimate action hero, mm-hmm. but is also like a doofus. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah they, they, I think that you're right about that, of like the, the, which leads to like a lot of the, a lot of the Marvel people, like, uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. is mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. you know, Chris Pine is that. I'm, I normally I'm good on those Chris's, but I now Ooh. don't know which one I said. Chris um, Pine, you just said. Yeah, but I feel like Chris Pine, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, oh and God, Chris. What? Chris Parks and Rec yeah, is also that. Yeah, I'm thinking of Parks and Rec. Is yeah. his name Chris Parks and Rec? His name is Chris. His name is Chris something that I don't remember. Oh my God. That doesn't even sound like a name anymore. You've said Chris too many times. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Anyways. Yeah, but definitely Chris Hemsworth. I mean, Chris Hemsworth. That's a person. That's definitely Yeah, like the Australian person. guy, but like he's always like incredibly like incredibly strong incredibly cool but also like charming and also a bit of a doofus yeah 
write that down. <laughs> I'm writing <laughs> write nothing. I just have down. nothing to remember. Yeah. Um, no. but, and like as I den- as the the thing of Indiana Jones being that being so clearly about his his identity his two identities that are so funny at odds of like right. this perfect adventurer who can do anything and then this like bumbling college professor with like little glasses mm-hmm. um and oh, this yeah, yeah you ironic know. distance as they say what do you mean say more what well that that you know this like action hero and this scholar they're like mm. very different from mm-hmm. one another yeah you got to drive that conflict you got to mm-hmm. raise the stakes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's what's more stakey than somebody who likes old stuff <laughs> he's right. a professor and i want to see so in the in his this is really dumb but in his scene his one scene teaching his class he's like at the end of it he's like well i'll be in my office on thursday not on wednesday office hours and get that paper in and then he just leaves. Right. And so I'm like, I would love to see a movie or maybe just a short clip of like the next day when his like sub comes to teach his class, you know, right. and it's like, who is this guy? And all the ladies who have like, I love you written on their eyelids. <laughs> like having you know? to wipe it off. <laughs> like, like, not <laughs> again. <laughs> Where right. did he go? You know, and like at the office hours. And it's like, oh man, 10 out of 13 classes a semester, right. he's gone. He's gone, yeah. yeah. Or a <laughs> yeah. film where it's like he's swinging in like the window to make his office hours on time <laughs> and then whoop, back to Tannis. Right, you right. Know? Yeah. I care about the kids. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I made a commitment to the university. Right. right. Yeah. I am tenured, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or, yeah, what if they were just like, you don't have to go back. You're tenured. (laughs) Like, you can just miss your office hours. (laughs) No, I care about the learning. Mm -hmm. Um, I did think that, so something that's been, I've been curious about is uh, this is, the late 70s is when, like, screenwriting starts to get, like, formalized as a plot, as, like, a study in higher education. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, okay, so when are the things that, like, I've read about going to start becoming more clear in uh in these films because when are they going to start getting like formalized and everyone who's coming out of school is like writing this thing or or it just becomes the norm um so i do feel like this film has like very clear act breaks Mm -hmm. um and then i also feel like there was a you read save the cat yes You've asked me that like three times on this podcast. I don't know. I just, well, I'm sorry <laughs> that I don't remember it. Um, but yeah, very much a Pope in the swimming pool moment when he's like having to explain like the city of, of Tannis because there's the like the army guys who are like, man, I don't even what know. And so then, stuff? right. Archaeology stuff. Yeah. So he's like putting them down for not understanding mm. it, but secretly just giving the audience all the of the exposition. exposition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I was like, mm, and drawing well it on done. the board. So there's the visuals and everything. Exactly. There, yeah. um, although I really did dislike that. He was like, he was like, um, you know, what? Ca- you know what, how, you know what a cautious person I am. And he like, just to like reveal that he's got a gun that he and then takes it, it out of like its cloth and then throws it. I was like, that could have gone off like that. Again, his de- he's cautious, right. but he's also a wild card, yeah. you know? Well, yeah, yeah, honestly, why didn't it go off? Why didn't it go off and bounce around the room and then you have to, like, dance around like man a clown? clown. Man clown. Be more funny. You man clown. Call George Lucas. The new song by Rihanna, Man Clown. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. Cool. Uh, also, yeah, the one thing that, that never came up about Marion was that there was just so much conversation about how they were going to, how each individual party was going to sell her uh, yeah, okay. on the boat. So Indiana Jones, so he, so she gets kidnapped. He thinks she's dead. He stumbles upon her to find her alive and tied up. 
and he's about to let her go when he realizes it will cause they'll they'll ask too many questions if she's gone so he like leaves her tied up and i'm like you trust a that this woman is gonna not be like the nazis have kidnapped her and they want information from her you're not worried at all about her safety because like they're gonna torture her to right. get that information they could you know assault her in all kinds of ways and you're just like let me just leave you you know uh, uh and then yeah. yeah and all the everyone is is like we, she has used to us yeah. mm-hmm. you know and everyone calls her girl the girl right. including indiana jones he's like the girl's with me yeah, I mean, honestly, though, I don't feel like that changed. I don't feel like that's... I feel like that's going to be the case until, like, a 2016 movie, probably. Not saying the girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. Also, though, so that kind of made me think of this, which is something that maybe is obvious, but I just had never thought about, which is that this movie is kind of... This is, like, a cowboy movie, like, mm-hmm. set in a different place and time, kind yeah. of. Yeah, he's, know? like, wearing a cowboy He's hat. wearing a cowboy but there's also all these motifs that come across that feel really, like lovingly send-ups of cowboy movies. Like, there's Mm -hmm. moments of so many, like, shadows where it's sort of like someone will appear in a doorway and you'll see their silhouette, you know? Yeah, it's Um, a very, like, Western tropey movie. Yeah, which I just kind of never had put together. But also makes sense because it's very sort of, you know, especially in a movie where there's people going all over the world, it's very, you know, the West, America, you know? So, like, to make it sort of have these cowboy tropes. At the expense of indigenous people. Right, right. It kind of, it makes sense. But I hadn't really put that together as sort of a possible kind of influence on the movie inspiration. Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of like, there's a lot, the depiction of indigenous populations in this film is awful. They're either being used for like forced labor by the Germans or like depicted as like savage hunter gatherers. Mm-hmm. I even, uh, the closed captions, which the closed captions for the, the movie have like, like every language instead of it being like translated or, you know, in some cases it was like speaking in German or speaking in Arabic for the beginning. For a lot of them, it's just like man chattering in a foreign language. I'm like, (laughs) wow. Wow. Very clear implicit bias. And what this is, what this is saying about this, like uncivilized language. Yeah. Just gabbing away in the, the, yeah, no, yeah. Um, no, Man, so sorry, it's Gina. It's gotta go. I know. Got to. I know. Maybe the rest go. will be better. Maybe. 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 Um, oh, fun fact that I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can see the look in your face that you that we were ready to go, mm-hmm. and I just think it's funny that in in Big Bang Theory, Mayim Bialik's character is like um, Indiana Jones is a pointless character because if you removed him from the plot, um, everything would have still happened exactly the same. That like eventually the Nazis would have found the Ark and then if they found the Ark they would have opened it and all looked at it and died and so like his presence in the film Mm. besides bringing Marion into danger and bringing the Ark back to get given to the government truth maybe they would have never found the Ark you know maybe I don't know when they snuck out of the vault that they were locked in very close yeah, to was, an airbase. It was th- yeah. very close. You're right. The the window was like very haphazardly blocked by stones. I was like, nobody <laughs> found this. Right. Yeah. But yeah, no, we can move on. Okay, Gina. we can move let's on. Move on. Thank let's you. move along. Okay. Goodbye, Raiders. Um, hello, Chariot Sophia. Um, I have uh, so little to say about this movie, to be totally honest. 
it's really long. It, I okay, so I it's, it's not actually that long. It's two hours, which is the same length as Raiders. Yeah, felt it's like really long. average until like five years ago. I thought it was going to be, you know, running and then like you know the rest of the stuff that they did or something. It's just so much running, and even if you're interested in running, it's just running and running all the time. Everyone's just running, and also like there's all these characters we don't really know but we're just right. sort of like assume, meant to kind of have some feeling for uh who are never introduced or explained i and i thought it was maybe based on a book or something which was like a novel which no, could explain the reason life. there's like all these really small characters whose names we miss but who like somehow played a role in the book but mm-hmm. they're just it's just a weirdly made movie i don't understand why this won the best picture what is yeah, so best I don't, about it I, I just think it's like a period piece about like, I mean, maybe, maybe we're starting to get into like an aging academy that like remembers Mm -hmm. the Olympics or something. (laughs) Like, I don't even know. I really Mm -hmm. don't. I think it was, I don't think it's a particularly interesting movie. I think that like the plot jumps Mm -hmm. in the, from like 1919 to 1924 make it like really difficult to connect to the characters. Yeah. I don't, it's like you see them and yeah, like you said, it's it's quite an ensemble piece, but with the exception of Little and and Abrahams, like you don't really get window into them. So when they qualify for the Olympics, you're right. like, Are you even a good runner? Yeah. Have you been here this right. whole time? Who are you? Why are you narrating this movie? I don't know who you are. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so Quinn, who I was watching it with, he was saying like, maybe this is one of the first movies that used, so there's a ton of like slow motion Mm. capture, you know, and a couple of, of sort of film technique things that are used a lot in this movie, which maybe they were sort of new and maybe that explains some of the, some of the awe that people had for it. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but like, it just. I'm just grasping at straws right. for for because that's just reasons. dealing with like frame speed. They've known how to like speed up the framing and slow down the framing. Well, but or whether or not the, they like, knew like they knew how to do it. But if it was used in like these long sequences before or something, yeah. I mean, I don't know. You know that maybe there's something technical that's that we have we are so used to now that we can't appreciate for the fact that it was kind of more revolutionary or something. But, I also think that the f- I think that the film was seen at the time as actually being like like progressive <laughs> end of story. I know like literally I do. I Ooh. think that like, I think this is like a Kramer versus Kramer incident instant instance and incident where like, the, you know, in Kramer versus Kramer, it was like, Oh, it's great that it like gave credence to both sides. Mm. And you're like, but did it? <laughs> and this is like, I think this film sees itself as like very progressive particularly with regards to Abraham's Hmm. because he is Jewish. Right. Hmm. And like faces a lot of, um, you know, faces a lot of pushback from the establishment at, at Cambridge. Yeah. It, yeah. Which is, it, it was so impossible to relate Mm -hmm. to the lives these characters le- like they oh led my. such <laughs> yeah. like such pretentious wealthy lives and so even abraham's i'm like yes i totally believe that you 
definitely have experienced anti-Semitism and that is really, really right. challenging, certainly, especially to just to feel that so much of the world sees you in a certain way that's really negative just yeah. because of who you are. But like, my God, the way that they, they're, the way things they did for fun, the ways that they like talked, you know, they, the life that they lived in this sort of bubble of, right. of wealth and, you know, uh, just high upper classness was really impossible to like feel for people, yeah. you know? And you know, like, so this is, we, we talked about this with, with ordinary people a little bit. It's like, is this when we're going to start to see like this Reaganite neoliberal push toward like normalizing being super rich mm. where like at this point in history, uh, I just finished watching Babylon Berlin. Everyone should watch it if they're not. Um, but like at this point in history, like this is when you're starting to see like major communist uprisings from like industrial cities in like all across Europe. Some in the U S were having like major labor movements against this exact kind of like bourgeoisie and aristocracy mm -hmm. and like abuse of wealth that like come 1981 is back to being glorified. So, you know, it's like, at the time, like any film, like a film that was made at the time would have made them evil. A film that was mm. that be made now would probably be, like make them evil. But because it was made in this period in which it's like, you know, greed is good and like let's be as opulent as possible, um, like it has viewed this kind of roaring 20s opulence as like something to be aspired to. I almost threw up when that guy practiced hurdles by having oh his butler pour champagne God. coops on each one. And if one spilled, he was to be informed. And there were like, you know, 30 of them. Yeah. And each one had like a crystal champagne glass full of champagne that was just going to get dumped out. Right. The, someone would have to clean all those glasses. This guy just the, what the well the, the money that it took to buy the champagne Ugh. like it that was just sickening. It's, I actually I wrote that it's uh, Kanye level uh, bourgeoisie. <laughs> <laughs> like it's like I, I you know I practice aerobics by putting champagne. I'm like, yeah, it's stupid. Um, yeah, that was really horrible. Also, all the clubs at at Oxford that like when they're looking around at what clubs they want to join. Cambridge, I don't know the difference. Okay, I don't but either, but Cambridge. Cambridge. I, bet, I bet they know the difference. Pardon me. <laughs> um, they like, they. I literally thought they were parodies I of know. posh clubs. They I, like at any like any other '80s movie would have them like off in the corner being like the dweebs that like care too much about school, but meanwhile the cool kids are over here. Except there were no cool kids at this party. No, cool all kids. cool kids were in these like posh blazers and yeah. they do everything for king university and god yeah you know? no and it's interesting because it's such a it's just such a different time and certainly different class than mm -hmm. you know but like the cool thing was yeah people like hanging around a piano singing show tunes you know and stuff right. like that where you're like i can't imagine this college life like no not at all what is this you know um yeah also so just to talk about the women real quick because there's two female characters mm -hmm. Um, who I thought was his, his wife. His, I know. I this is what I was going to say. So, one, so Eric Liddell, a little, he's got his, the woman in his life 
who is briefly introduced as his sister. He like gestures towards her in the mm-hmm. beginning when he says, my sister yeah. and I grew up in China. Being oriental born myself, uh, like yeah, my brother yeah, and my yeah, sister. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> um, but then like the whole movie, I was like, Did, I must have misheard because they just like look at each other so fondly. They touch each other gently. They, they you know, repeat each other's names in a loving right. way that I don't do with my brother, nope. you know? Nope. <laughs> um, and I was so confused. I was so confused by that, um, just to put that out there. Right. But also, like, so both women, so her and the woman who... Sybil. Sybil, who Abraham starts dating, who's like this opera. And she, so he meets her by watching her performance where she, it's... Did you say the name of this opera? Is it? Or it's what? the Mikado. Oh, okay. Which so I don't know yeah. that, but <clears throat> they're all you know in really. It's a Japanese disturbing... Gilbert and Sullivan play. Which, mm-hmm. um, by the way, as of like the most recent controversial production of it was like in the past four years, where it was God. like white people in oh yellow my face. God. What is Insane. wrong with the? Yeah. So that's the brief yet horrifying yellow face. Um. But so, but basically, so she's this actress, and I couldn't stand the way this woman was playing her or the character probably both uh just like but both of these characters are women who you know are don't understand the need why their men like won't listen to them and then right. come to like allow them to be free and be waiting for them when they return you know right and like that is their their lesson as the women is like the men have to go and do their thing and you have to be patient and trust your man and just be here when he needs you and be here for when he comes home um which just felt really uh not a not a fun message to receive i mean at least for the sister like i'm like the obvious argument is if they're like if they're staunch presbyterians like they're and they're you know probably going to be believing in predestination his immediate like quote-unquote out or explanation of why he should be devoting himself to running is because he was predestined to be a, an mm-hmm. olympic runner like mm-hmm. he's an excellent runner so yeah it's like exactly what he said he determined me to be fast and i'm spitting on that you know right and then but also yeah it was just it was a bit weird her like it intent on being like the steward of his Mm -hmm. spiritual life. But the thing that's going to make you a little bit annoyed, probably annoyed, (laughs) annoyed. Um, You remember how Sybil is like, she has this dip when she realizes, okay, I need to like let go, let him train, but I'll be there when you come back. Mm -hmm. Well, um, he had a, a college girlfriend, the real, um, they the were real going guy? to be engaged. Yeah. Because if you notice in the credits, yeah, it says that they, they right. married him and Sybil. It, it did, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, the Sybil and he did marry. Um, they met in 1934, though, 10 years uh. after this Olympic period. And because the woman that he was engaged to while at university, they did break up because of his devotion to running. Wow. So, like, what they just, why not what? just have, I think it, I guess. Yeah ideally they're probably sitting there thinking like, okay, well we have to like, if we want her to be a part of the story, we'll have to go past 1924. Mm. If we just make it up that she's there earlier mm. than like done fine. But like, there's so much that doesn't make sense. Cause like she's deferring to him about everything. And like, she is, she's like a, a star. Yeah. She's like a star actress and he's a university student. Right. Like right. this makes it no She would not sense. be deferring in that way. She would right. be a diva. Yeah. She, yeah. She'd be like, I'm in my twenties and you're 
21 ish. Right. Like, yeah. Crazy. yeah. No, that's crazy. And the fact that, because they could have just made her not Sybil, but whoever the college girlfriend yeah. was, and let them break up. Like, not have. Also, that's the thing, too, is Abraham's and Liddell, Liddell, Liddell I don't know. have the exact same journey. Arc, and I'm yeah. like, why don't they just have something different where, so Abraham's, we could see him break up with this girlfriend. And maybe it's because the girlfriend is like, you know what? Yeah, you're, you don't really care about me. You do mm-hmm. your thing. I'm going to go be awesome in this way. And, you know, I don't need to give you like the happy ending of knowing that your woman is waiting for you and everything's going to be fine. You know, like right. they could have had different arcs, but it would have been a less feel good, you know, would have right, made us not like him as much maybe if he, you know. Yeah. Right. Like, Unless it's like he was an asshole and then he turned himself around and like once he got to a place where he could be like accepting uh, and not accepting, but like once he was sort of in a more mature place in which he could reciprocate love appropriately, mm-hmm. that he met this woman that they spent the rest of their days together, mm-hmm. as opposed to like, ooh, he wasn't ready, but she stood by her man. Right, stood exactly. Stood by her man. Yeah, you go, um, girl. Good job. Mm, um, yeah. Also, I really hated and thought it was like really res- irresponsible and very much a 1981 through today thing. Of like the, the, quote the racial message regarding like anti-Semitism mm. was very much like Abraham's. It's nobody cares. Nobody cares that you're Jewish. It's mm. it's in Get the past. It. You yeah, know, right. we have this new like liberal life, mm-hmm. and it's like this is in the 1920s. Like yeah. we're right. we're leading into World War Two. Like. People absolutely do care. Mm -hmm. And like uh, arguably like it was incredibly widespread because once it became sort of a like a a main point of like the Nazi party and the Nazi party became bad, that's when just normal people in America and England, etc., stopped being as anti-Semitic once it, once the people that they hated were also Mm anti-Semitic, they were highly anti-Semitic at this time. Yeah. I, I absolutely dislike that. And that Mm -hmm. he didn't get a Jewish funeral. I know. Well, so I was, I, he was, they were in a church, but so then Quinn was like, well, maybe, you know, this is just where they're having a, like a memorial thing, but they did bury him and the whatever. But then I'm like, put these people in a synagogue because like that would be so much more interesting and different and show us the idea of like if Liddell and Abrahams did end up having the respect for each other, then like the man who is so devout in his, you know, Presbyterianism, like for him to go and be in a synagogue, like that would be so much more powerful, you know? I think it's (sighs) like, I think this is like, I think we're going to see a lot more of this and, and worse for a long time of, Basically, you've got, like, th- this is an area where it's like white people are the bad, are the, it's just like the good white people mm. that also are dealing with, like, people that that are, how do, I, how do I phrase this? So, like, they're good white people, but he's also, you know, not a real Jew. Do you, know, you understand what I mean? Like he didn't get a Jewish funeral. We never mm-hmm. see him wearing a yarmulke. Mm-hmm. He's not of Orthodox faith. There's a joke scene about him, about the pork coming to the table because right. he just orders what she has and mm-hmm. they kind of laugh about mm-hmm. it. But it's like they're they're not confronted 
by their anti-Semitism. So they get to just pretend that they're, so no one has to watching it confront whether or not they're anti-Semitic. Right. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And all of this, of course, in a movie where there's for us half second, you know, one person of color, right? right? Like, so just knowing the idea, especially because it's made in 81, but it's set in the twenties, but the idea of like the messaging of 81, you know, the whole, you know, nobody cares. Don't worry about right. it. You know, very obviously also just the fact that there are no people of color, like you're so clearly like plugging your ears and going mm-hmm. la, 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 about the realities of the world with that message, because it feels like they're trying to say, you know, 1981 audience, like we all love each other now. Yeah, Nobody it's cares. It's all in the past. White yeah. people, don't you get that <laughs> right. about But ourselves? then you just don't show anyone who's right. not white anywhere in the movie. Yeah. Um, and, and his running coach, Musabini mm-hmm. is half Arab, half Italian, mm-hmm. played by Bilbo Animal. Baggins. <laughs> yeah, you know it. So yeah, it. Yeah, and then yeah, there's there and there's you know the moment of like oh he's he's Italian, isn't he? Half Italian. Oh well, I'm glad to hear it. And you're like fucking right. this. Right. Yeah, it's like this old elitist establishment. It, also. A statement is made that I have never heard of in my entire life is when he's being confronted about like his desire uh, when Liddell, who is very conservative, um, a very devout Christian, does not want to run on the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And so he uh, withdraws from the race that he was initially initially supposed to be uh, running. In the Olympics. In the Olympics. Big deal. And then you know these major royal figures including like the prince, the prince of, wales, yeah. of wales yeah comes in to like convince him to do it and and they're like one of them is this like you know i think his name is like cardigan or something like it sounded no like idea. curmudgeon cardigan. um <laughs> but he like he was like well in my day it was king first and God second. And I was mm-hmm. like, was it right? Like, I don't, I don't I've believe. never heard anyone say, I've never heard anyone say that like, well, in the past we were less religious, <laughs> you know, like that's a, yeah. also like, you're just getting closer and closer to queen Victoria who like, whose name has been given to like arch conservatism mm-hmm. and modesty. Like it doesn't, it was, it seemed like, seemed like a, a very yeah. like like they were in this uphill battle to make like this man persecuted for his christianity mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah right again giving them both the same exact arc you know both right. of them persecuted in some way for their, for their religion phase, you know yes. and then both of them coming out of it the exact same way right which just seems like sloppy storytelling sloppy writing but also i guess if it's based on true story and they are real people then i suppose you have, have some, some obligation sort of to sort of make yeah. them both sort of glorified in some way. Except we've, except we just talked about how if they had just followed the historical arc of right. Abraham's, right. it would have been separate. Yeah. You know? yeah. Now also fun, two fun facts, the like passing of the note. So he's about to run his race <laughs> and he gets a going. note from one of the American runners. That's like, you know, everyone who it's a quote from, like first Samuel from the Bible about like doing work for 
God mm-hmm. that like you know he, he be glorified yeah and he supports him. Yeah. Well, that was not given to him immediately before the race, which he does which the he race with it in his hand. Clings to it in his hand while he and then he wins the gold medal. Yeah. And I'm like, there's no way no. he would have held on to that. Right. He like he was like holding it in his hand as he's like prepping himself right. to take off. I'm like, you wouldn't this is have an unstable. Olympic, yeah. Yeah. No. Absolutely not. Um, you have a stable frame. Mm-hmm. You plant your hands. People are trying to take you down. Um, Yeah, read the note later. Yeah. But then uh, tuck it in your waistband (laughs) and go. But then he uh, that note was given to him by a British masseur (laughs) before the race, not a last minute thing. Also, the movie frames it so that when they're like boarding the steamer to cross the English Channel, that somebody goes, "Oh, what are you going to do for the heats on Sunday?" And he was like. What did you Sunday? just say? Right. Sunday? To the point where, like, and also, there's only one reference to somebody playing sports on a Sunday and him thinking it's bad. So at right. first, when you hear it, you're right. kind of like, like, what's what's, yeah. what's going on? What what did I miss when mm-hmm. I was trudging myself through this boring <laughs> film? And then it's like, oh, well, it, it turns out he's like, on the way, he can't race. Oh, God. And then when he's at this meeting with, with these royal this royalty and the Prince of Wales, then his... His friend comes in and he's like, "Oh well, old chap, he's a lord." Um, <laughs> he's like, "Well, I've actually already won my medal, so why doesn't he run for me in the four hundred meters?" And I'm like, "It's like the most implausible thing that a, the Olympic Commission would allow him last minute to change, and that he would be competitive race. <laughs> yeah. in a race that's four times as right, long." Right. Um, in reality, he knew months in advance and spent those months training for it it just yeah. yeah this is annoying like you can tell there's so much about this movie that feels so forced and so like this is storytelling this oh, yeah. is Big stakes time. and like so it's not surprising at all that none of these things actually happen in real life and that they were just trying to create this drama when right there wasn't any of this drama it would have been a far better film probably if it was just like about what really happened about yeah. the real people and you didn't try to make this whole you know this whole thing in the middle that didn't even exist and you know they they, they go after abrahams for like being ambitious but then he's just like trying to win win and like they make him so like they they make it so that anyone who calls him ambitious is also like this arch bad guy of the Mm -hmm. film so that it's not really believable Mm -hmm. um but if they kept the plot with this other woman like it would have they could give it some credence he's hired a professional trainer that's like very against the norm um and that which like is true to history. He also, but he says to one of the characters, Montague, like he's getting massaged and he's like, you know what? The best thing about you, you know, is your contentment. You're just content. I'm 24 and I've never known contentment. You're see- and I was just sitting there thinking like, that's the most arrogant fucking thing that anyone has ever said. Like, right. man, I'm, You're you so- know, yeah. Look at me striving for greatness and right. it's you so difficult. <laughs> yeah, I love that you're fine with being it's a just mediocrity. mediocrity yeah. You know, yeah. thank you. Thank, I'm, who you're his an friend who is also at the Olympics though. Right. So he's also worked hard probably right. to get here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we never see any of that work, but allegedly <laughs> right. but he has assume, worked hard. Yeah. One would assume. Yeah. yeah. Um 
I'm trying to see. Is there any? Yeah, I feel like the quest. I feel like there is this I'm question. Good. That's what you're mm. saying. No, no, go ahead. Oh, you're good. You made all your mm-hmm. points. I mean, I, I said, don't. I have so little to say about this movie. You do. Yeah. I just I couldn't tell if this movie was trying to like make a statement about winning or not. Um, because like there were just lots of moments where like like when he wins, he like feels super sad, mm-hmm. and then also th- there's just all this stuff about like is the moral of this film like not to care about victory and yet it's also a film that's like about these people who were victorious. Mm. So I feel like the message of the film in general was, was very confused and like racially and with regards to like what the meaning of like life and athletics is. Mm -hmm. And I actually, I hate the idea of like, the meaning of life and the media, the meaning of athletics being like mentioned in the same sentence. <laughs> I could not care less about athletics, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it just seems like they're building up this thing of like, no, it's about faith and it's about mm-hmm. digging in and it's about being within yourself and you'll never have peace from this victory, but also we were victorious. Right, I, I know. want well, that to be won, though, clear. So that's why it's confusing. Right. Yeah. I don't know if they're trying to do that or if they're just trying to, yeah, yeah, sort of make drama where there wasn't right. quite this amount of drama. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I say is like he did read, he wrote like after he wins his um, race against Ireland, uh, Liddell, they like had a speech written and then he was like, I think this is too sanctimonious and I'm going to rewrite it. Like he, mm-hmm. apparently he like studied really hard to like familiarize himself with the Bible as Liddell would be. And then like he wrote that speech. Um, I mean, I think he could have been also like, Hey, when I get to this, like when I get to the crux of this speech, maybe don't have the sun come out and it stop raining and everyone can put their umbrellas away. Um, cause maybe, people's heads will hurt Mm -hmm. from just getting hit over and over again. Um, Did that work? Uh, I was just trying to like deconstruct the phrase of getting hit over the head with something, but I couldn't tell. I could tell based on you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With the rain, but I could tell based on your expression and lack of laughter that it was not not quite put it together, but got you. Now you've explained it. I could feel that it wasn't as tangible. (laughs) Yeah. So redacted. So, yeah, my okay. bad. No my bad. Gina, let's talk about whether or not we want to keep it. Did did we did we learn did we anything new? Change our minds? Did we learn anything new, new? perhaps? Um I know One. that personally mm-hmm. to I, I didn't know what you were doing. Keep really talking. Learn, learn anything, anything for, for new Goodbye, yeah, both bye. of you. Yeah, no. These films gotta go. I, <laughs> yeah. do, what do. if after this whole episode we were like, actually, uh, actually you Chariots know what? of Iron. Yeah, yeah, I think like, it's I'm, pretty great. Yeah, now that I think about it, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, no. no that, yeah, they really have to go. We haven't had a year that's like they're both awful in a, yeah. in a while, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, just both really problematic, which it's, it's disappointing to think that we've come, there have been some years in the past where like, we're like, okay, this is pretty right. good. But then we just keep falling back into yeah. these really troubling uh, representations. Right. Which is, I guess, going to be the rest of forever. You know? At least the Reagan years until yeah, we get some, like, on. until we get 
So, I mean, I feel like we're in the the midst of a cultural shift. Ooh. Yeah, we've left Carter, baby. We're in the Reagan years. Neoliberalism, alive and well. You're, this is gonna be Michael J. Job. Fox territory. Wow. Yeah, he's <laughs> the the king. Of the, he, sorry, I'm sorry, yeah. everybody. I'm sorry, to people at home for subjecting you to that. Head. Yeah. Um. Great. So they're gone. Mm. They're gone. They're gone. Next now, time will be 1982. Oh yeah, baby. <clears throat> and we've got. E.T., top grossing film, and and best picture, Gandhi. Oh, yeah. yeah. One of my, one of my, my, I've never seen Gandhi, but my, I um, think I have either, actually. My social studies teacher in ninth grade would be like, meh, what's a, what's a British guy playing a, playing an Indian guy? I'm like, I mean, come on, come on, like trying to be cool about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. No, I just can't remember if you said it on the podcast or not. No, keep going. No, but like it, I think you did. He is. I don't <laughs> think I did. Did no, I? I don't think I did. Well, Easter egg for the repeat follow list. Follow it. Follow through. Nerds. Don't just leave it. Yeah. But yeah, Ben Kingsley is Indian. Like mm-hmm. that was mm-hmm. such a dumb thing to say. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not going to name him, but he knows who mm, he is. And he's an avid follower of the pod. <gasps> Whoa. Big time. Yikes. Big time follower of the pod. Um, Gina, I want to send off these, these movies in style. And mm-hmm. I feel like we have some ways to do that. I feel like I want to hear I've what written, you've come up with. I've written a haiku. Wait a minute. Is this a new? <gasps> this is a new, is this a new tradition. A new tradition? It is. Oh my if God. we like it. If not, it's a new thing I do just once. Uh, we're malleable. Um, right, I've written a haiku for each of these movies. One for each. Oh, my God. Um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Hey, everybody. Put Marion back in pants. She could be badass. The end. Wow. The syllables match, not the feeling of haikus. Anyways, but next one. The, no, that there's definitely the there's feeling there. There's great. definitely there's a some intense feeling, feeling of haikus. Haiku. Um, chariots of fire. Mm, mm-hmm, mm. mm-hmm. Fancy Brits running. There's nothing here but running. No, really, that's it. Wow. Done. Those are my haikus. Oh my god. I. Yeah. I just need to wipe a single, a single tear, tear um, from my th- eye. But Stephen, yes, that's cool that I got to do that. But like, what about you? Okay, well, so you know how you are just like so social media deficient, <laughs> and like oh. every time we even reference social media handles, I cringe. You, you cringe. Yeah. You get all cagey. Do. You don't want to do it. You don't, don't want to do like it. it. Well. I am going to do it, mm-hmm. but I have decided that it's just too easy for me. Mm. And so, so good at them. Yeah. I'm just mm-hmm. so good at doing social media yeah. that you're, um, I'm going to let you challenge me mm-hmm. with, uh, with a hash tag, tag? hashtag mm-hmm. that I, uh, that I've got to be weaving in this week. Great. Yeah, and all you, all you sweet, sweet listeners are gonna, you're gonna know what's up, and everyone else, they're gonna be like, "What's, what's this up hashtag?" With this random hashtag. Yeah, we have to get it worldwide trending topic. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. So based on our conversation, I'm gonna pull one. So for you for this week, here's your hashtag. Ready? All right, baby. Hashtag man clown. Man clown. Hey. Oh man, that's like, 
That's too, that, I'm just like rolling with Good. how we're going to do we're that gonna one. We're going to start with that one because okay. I'm excited nice. to see them. Yeah. When we get uh. to E.T., the E.T. and Gandhi, like, we'll, 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 let's see what happens. Let's just see. But yeah, Man Clown. Man Clown. I love it. Great. I can't oh wait to God. see what you come up with. All right. Gina? Steven? I'm going to ask you. And you, do you want me to ask you or do you just want to say? Let's just get it over with. Yeah, where? We don't need to make it a big deal. Where can deal. they find Gina you? underscore with a G on Instagram. Steven. Steven oh, Moskis everywhere. Steven Moskis is are sold, as you say, and I like it. <laughs> and we are Rock Rising Productions Podcast. Look, I'm doing all the social media stuff. Follow them. They're awesome. They got a bunch of other podcasts. Anything else? Man clown. This podcast is produced by Rock Rising. Come follow us on Instagram, and if you want to hear more podcasts, visit rockrising.org. Thanks.